Hey friends, today's episode is a strategy session with someone who had approached me asking if I thought her background would apply to grant writing. And after I heard what she does, I think she'll be a perfect fit to transition into grant writing. I'm excited to hear what she does with this information after our strategy call. So listen in. I hope this gives you some ideas of how you could do this. And if it does, book a call with me and we can do the same for you. Welcome to the Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. This is the place to learn how to make a big impact in your community through grant writing and nonprofit consulting. The world needs you to step forward as a grant writer and use your skills to lead with confidence. I'm Teresa Huff, former special ed teacher turned grant writer and nonprofit strategist. In my 20 years of freelancing, I've helped nonprofits triple their funding and exponentially increase their reach. Now I'm stepping up to mentor freelancers and nonprofit leaders like you who are ready to take your skills to the next level. It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Today we have a special guest named Lisa Ortman. I'm really excited for the strategy call today because she has such an interesting background that I want her to share about and then we're going to talk through some ways that she could transition possibly into grant writing or some type of nonprofit services. Lisa is an educational equity advocate, a family engagement specialist, and a mom to three boys. And I will say they are very handsome young men. I saw a picture of these boys and they were quite spiffied up. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Tell us a little more about yourself. Where are you from? All right. Hello, everyone. And Teresa, thank you for having me. I live near Paso Robles, which is kind of the central coast of California wine country. And I went to Cal Poly for my undergrad and I got to stay here, which beautiful place to be. And I was in the wine industry for about 12 years. It was wonderful. It was fun. It was exciting. But I got to be around 40 and hit this, I guess you could say, midlife crisis. And I felt like I wasn't really doing anything to help anyone. And so I got out of the wine industry. I went back to school and got my master's in education. And that's how I got into this equity. I saw that there was a need here for, and really everywhere in California, a need to help English language learners, low-income families. And so that's how I transitioned into education. That's interesting. So what was your undergrad degree? It was actually forestry. So completely different, but environmental. Okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds beautiful there. I'm a little jealous. I kind (laughs) of want to come visit you. (laughs) Anytime. After the call, I'll go hop a plane. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more about this educational equity advocate in the family engagement piece. What, what more specifically has your work been? What have you been doing like hands-on kind of describe what's a typical day or typical month for you? So I was working for my local school district. I was a paraeducator. So I would work with the English language learners every day, kind of pushing into the classroom or pulling them out to help them with their English skills and whatever else they needed. Uh, After that, I went to work for a community action partnership um, in San Luis Obispo. They have community action partnerships all over the United States. 
And what I did with them was work with the Head Start and the Migrant Head Start families. And if for people who don't know, Head Start is for zero to five kids. And it's our job as family engagement specialists to help them prepare for kindergarten so that they have the language skills and the parents have the uh, confidence to approach the schools and say what they need. And that was wonderful. And I love being able to help our community in that way. Mm-hmm. And so now, um, due to COVID, I'm not doing that right now. But that's okay because I'm home with my kids and three of them and we're doing distance learning. So that is a challenge in itself. And with that, I see that children in our community don't have the resources they need. And so that's what I'm really fighting for right now with the equity piece is to get the children the Wi-Fi and the Chromebooks. And most of the lower income children here both of their parents are essential workers or they're out back in the fields because uh, right now the grapes are being harvested for the wine. And so they're home alone trying to do this. And so it's super important to me that they have the help they need and that their basic needs are being met. Because I feel if they don't have the food and the support, then they can't learn. Right. And it really does start with those basic essential needs if those aren't met, then they can't do the higher level things. Exactly. So now I'm wondering, I want to be part of a bigger piece. I, I, I love working with students, but I feel like I need to do more at a higher level, seeing how our government kind of, well, has failed a lot of students. And so that's where I was thinking that maybe grant writing would be a way where I could use my skills in education and in research to bring in some funds that definitely in California, we sorely, sorely need in our school districts. Yeah. And I mean, that is a big appeal of grant writing. And that's a lot of the reason I've done it is you are part of a bigger piece. I mean, I've done it as a stay at home mom for years and I could impact a whole community or an entire school district just from being at home working from my laptop. But it's, it's an amazing feeling knowing that you can do that to help those organizations. I think you're in an ideal position to consider that and to start them with your education background and then also having those connections in the Head Start world and at that level, that's where you could really find the funding to make an impact. So we could talk about some different ways there that you could do that. Have you worked with nonprofits at all? I know you've worked with Head Start and some of those education agencies. What types of nonprofits are in your community that you maybe have connections with? Um, well, through the wine industry, so it's interesting that it's coming full circle now because there is, we have a nonprofit called Must Charities and it was started by some winery owners and they go out and they find the need in the community. And usually it has to do with our migrant workers and they will give money for, let's say, big brother, big sisters so that they can have after school programs. And so I think that would be a very good connection in my area. And then the community action partnership, of course. And then there are a few others with like the homeless shelters in the area. I I live in a smaller area. We only have about 8,000 people in our town. So that, for me, that makes it a little tough when I'm doing job searches. Right. On the other hand, that can be ideal for grant writing 
because they probably don't have access to a lot of grant writers or the resources and they wouldn't know where to start or where to look. But if you were to come to them and say, hey, I'm considering this, I have this background and this experience, would you be interested in working together to look for a couple of grant applications? Then that might be ideal for them because most likely they're small, understaffed, swamped. They don't have time to think about it. The ideal is super appealing. They just don't have the staff or the time to commit to it. So having someone outside come in as a consultant could be a really good solution for them. That way they're not committing, like we can't afford another full-time person but we could hire you on a contract basis to do certain projects. That might be a good option for you. And what I recommend for someone starting out is to start small. Don't try to go for the big government grants right off the bat. Those are huge. You'll get overwhelmed. <laughs> I get overwhelmed <laughs> and I've done it for years. <laughs> yeah. But just start small. And especially in the beginning, don't stress so much over winning a grant. Just learn the process. Do it for the sake of learning and learning the flow, learning the application, learning the nonprofit or whatever agency you're working with. You're just learning how it all works. And so that way, just kind of focus on that and don't stress on, I have to get everything just right and win this money. Just go into it with a learning attitude of next time I'll get better. This time I'm just learning, trying to figure this out. I would look first and make a list of your network and connections and see where you could start to reach out and who you could possibly approach or just start having conversations with about the possibility. Would they be interested? What types of needs do they have right now? And what types of programs do they really need help supplementing? And look for things that they already have in place as opposed to hey, let's start a brand new after-school program and get it off the ground. Look at what are they doing that you could find small grants to help supplement that work and start there. Yeah, and that's then that a good way, idea. You're learning. You're not overwhelmed with having kids at home and trying to do distance learning and overseeing everything there, plus taking on this brand new learning curve and a new full-time job or consulting or whatever you ended up doing. That way you can kind of get your feet wet, get some experience under you, and then build from there. Learn the process. Yes. So when you, I guess this is where my hiccup or my block comes in of when I'm working with these nonprofits or school districts and there really isn't a lot of money, how would I make them feel that I would be value added where they would want to spend the money on me? Right. That's a really good question. I would say, first of all, start with showing the value of whether or not you win a grant, show the value of what you bring to the table and what you can add to them as an organization. So whether or not you win a grant, you're still giving them, you know, whatever those things may be. Maybe you're going to review their mission with them. Maybe you're going to review their goals and help them put together a plan for their program. Look at how it fits with your experience and you can step in and help them see with the Head Start, maybe they are struggling with getting parents involved. So you come up with a plan to help them get the parents involved or maybe a social media plan or something depending on where they're at and what their needs are. So so that when you do apply for the grant, then you've also brought other value to the table as well. Plus, 
with the grant application, say you get the grant, that's awesome. You could also help them implement to follow up because implementing on that side of things is a lot of work too. Or if you don't get the grant, then you still have a lot of information gathered that the next time you won't have to go back and regather. So you're already gathering the background. You're putting that together into a statement of need. Some people call it a case for support. You're pulling together resources, getting a budget idea together. You're collecting a lot of background information that can be used on multiple projects. Each grant has to be customized to that specific application, but the information you gather, a lot of that will be the same. So you're kind of doing a discovery process initially that will help prepare them for the grant writing process. And then you have the grant writing process itself. So it's kind of three phases. The first is the initial evaluation of where are they? What are their goals? What do they need? Do they have their mission in place and know what they're working on? Then the second phase is the actual finding grants that are a good fit and then applying. And then the third phase would be implementing the grants that you receive. So you could choose to be involved in any or all of those three phases and just work on really conveying the value of that to them, of what that could bring to the table and how that can change their impact in the community as well. Because like the reason you said to me, if you want to have a bigger impact, you know they're struggling and you know that they're probably spread thin, especially right now. And we know money's tight for schools. So this is a way that they can maximize the resources they do have. Okay. Does that That's help? All, definitely. I've never thought of it that way. You know, those things are right in front of you, but sometimes you just don't always put it together. And I mean, I feel like with your background and your experience, you've seen what it's like running a Head Start. You were on the ground, on the front lines. That's mm -hmm. a valuable thing to bring to the table as opposed to someone who's never worked in education and stepping in saying, hey, I wanna help you with your school or with your Head Start program. They haven't worked there. They don't know the ins and outs of it. They can't really speak to that where you come in and you bring that skill set, and you can say, hey, I know what it was like doing this and that was a struggle. What if we added this to the program to help the teachers with that piece of it? Or what if we brought in this resource? for the kids to make the program run more smoothly. So you're able to help at that higher planning and implementation level as opposed to being on the front lines, kind of like you were saying, where you'd like to make a bigger impact a little higher up. Yes. So that way you can do that and emphasize that experience that you bring. And also just being a, a mother, who would have thought that all of that can come in I know. well? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> great. Because when really you're in is. the thick of it, you're just trying to get through it, right? Right. And you can so yeah. relate to the clients. And like they're getting messages and, you know, the parents are probably overwhelmed and we speak English fluently. So let alone the ones who can't understand what the messages are and they're supposed to follow up or turn this thing in or sign up for that. How, are, right. how can you help them make those connections, especially having that background too? And I think in the community you live in, that would really be a big piece. Yes. You're right. That'd that be very beneficial. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. That's yeah. very helpful. Good. Does that help clarify what it could look like? Yes, it does. It gives me, um, it kind of takes my wild dream that I'm having of where I want to be and what I want to do and then bring it into something more tangible. Like, oh yes. Okay. I could start there. And yes. then it's not as overwhelming. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yes, that's very helpful. And the main thing, you just said it, the main thing is to just start and then it will become more and more clear 
as you go. You mentioned several possible nonprofits in the area. And so the main thing is just to start with the conversations and see where they go. Start with those relationships and see what doors are opening and what opportunities are out there. And you may decide, oh, instead of Head Start, I really want to work over here. That's okay. This isn't set in stone forever. You're just starting the process. But until you start, you won't have those answers. The main thing is to just start. And then that stuff will develop as you go. Yeah. And it also brought up another point when you were saying that of I've been focusing in my local community and now we have the ability to we could work any with anyone really across the United States. Right. If if need be. And especially as I gather more experience, I'm part of this. It's a newer community. It's called sharemyjourney.org. And it's this uh, wonderful lady, Rebecca, who is bringing mainly women, I, I don't know if there are any males, but anyhow, um, women together to kind of lift each other up. And we're all over the United States. And she talks to us for a little while, and then she matches us up so that we can either be a mentor or you know, get some advice from somebody who's already done the grant writing or been in education for 40 years. And so mm. that just made me realize, oh, I was just talking to a lady this week who lives in Baltimore and volunteers with Big Brothers Big Sisters and just seeing how that all works. And it's how like, cool. oh, maybe, right? So there are definitely yeah. more connections out there if we just yes. take the time and kind of, for me, it's kind of stepping off a cliff each time of making myself, putting myself out there. Yes, <laughs> right? it is a risk and it feels like a bigger risk than it is usually. But it is, especially for introverts like me, where sometimes you just cringe and that is not our natural inclination. But yet when I do, I'm always so glad I did because I meet amazing people and make those connections. And that's really where it is, whether it's in your community or online and throughout others, it's about the sincere relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And if you wanted, you could specialize in a certain area like grants for Head Starts or grants for organizations with kids, or you mentioned, you know, some of the equity advocacy. Mm -hmm. Is that what most grant writers do? Do they specialize in a certain area? A lot of times after a while they do. At first I didn't as much just because I was trying to learn and get going. And so I think a lot of them that are that way, but some do, some do more research-based, some do education, some do more of environmental. You don't have to, but it makes you more identifiable and referable. And there's just so much to learn in the grant world that really it's simpler if you kind of have one track that you can specialize in and get really good at that, as opposed to trying to be pretty good at a lot of areas, if you can get really good at certain things. I've kind of specialized in over the years in grants that somehow make life better for families and kids specifically. And those are the ones that really resonate with me more over time and that I feel more compelled. So whether that's a food pantry or a school, right now I work with a senior center and that's been a lot of fun. It was unexpected, but it's really been fun. Those are kind of the ones that I feel the most compelled. There are a lot of other causes out there that are really good. Some do more of the arts and symphonies and those types of foundations. So whatever you're drawn to, I would say start there, which it sounds like more of the families and especially the diversity and helping with the ESL population. 
that would make you something very unique and identifiable as a grant writer. Because say you're in a group with a sea of grant writers and someone posts a question of, hey, I'm looking for a grant writer that understands the ESL population and could research some grant opportunities for us there. That's where you can raise your hand and say, right here, got I know this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yes. So I would no, that's, start that's there. That's great advice. Okay. Thank you. I feel that with people like me, we wear our heart on our sleeves and we want to help everyone and everything. And that can yes. be very overwhelming. Yes. And I saw that, you know, with Head Start of like, oh, but they need this and they need this and they need this. And then you kind of start to spin on it all. And so that's a really good idea to kind of find your avenue, find that one passion that rises to the top and right. go, go yeah. with that. And it is hard. And that's the thing about nonprofits too, of most of the time, they are pretty passionate about their cause and they should be. Ideally, if they're running a nonprofit, hopefully they are passionate. That's why they started it. But not everybody is going to be equally as passionate. So find the ones that resonate the most with you because someone else is going to resonate with the others too. You will have that compelling internal drive to help them as opposed to one that you're just like, yeah, it's a good cause, but it doesn't light me up. Right. So Thank you. Good those. advice. Any other burning questions that you're just really confused? That's kind of helped clarify what this could look like for you. So what are your next steps? Well, my next step is to learn more about grant writing, obviously. <laughs> right. Sure. Because <laughs> I really don't know much. I've just had these, you know, maybe you should look into that. You mm -hmm. would be good at that. It's like, mm -hmm. what? So, yes. Yeah. Um, and then kind of, I always want to take it to the, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, or this is where I'm going to make the biggest impact. And I need to just slow it down and take the first step. Right. That's, right. Yeah. And it may open yeah. other doors. Like you may end up starting this process and then realizing, okay, there's this other opportunity, like maybe the implementing grants or helping nonprofits with their social media or some other aspect that you realize, I love this. I love the interacting with people and managing this type of project as opposed to grants. But I would say just start learning about it. Do you like to write and do you like to research? You mentioned research earlier. I do. I very much enjoyed writing my thesis when I was in grad school, which not many people could understand. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> That's definitely because it does take research, but also kind of some creativity of how can you weave that research into something that makes sense and that will be compelling yeah. for them to see, oh, wow, they do need this. We want to fund this and support this cause. Right. I do wonder when you decide to be a consultant as opposed to go work for a nonprofit as a grant writer or a bigger company as a grant writer, why did you decide to be a consultant? For me, it was because I wanted to stay at home with my kids and I wanted the flexibility of working when I can and want to work and having those projects and clients. I liked having the variety of projects and I still do. I like having a variety of clients and different types of organizations. They're all kind of the same idea, but I like that mix and I like working for myself. And over time I realized, you know, I've kind of a little more independent that way, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've done some full-time work for a company a couple times, and I've considered whether I should go to work for a nonprofit full-time. But mm -hmm. for me, just the life stage and my family stage, 
it was hard to justify doing that when I love my clients and I'm making a good income as it is. So why would I give that up to go be locked into one organization? I love working from home, even though it has its challenges as you're quickly learning. It does, yes, yes. <laughs> but I wouldn't trade that for anything. So yeah. that's yeah. why for me. No, that's all wonderful. And it, 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 that appeals to me as well. And I think a lot of mothers and fathers have that struggle of that decision. Mm -hmm. We want to be home. We want to help our children. But we also want to work. Right. And um, you need to work. do something for us. Yes. Yes. Sometimes we you have to. to. Yeah. Bring, yes. Yeah. Pay the bills. And so right. definitely that balance act. So I think that's where the grant writing would be, would work well. Right. And that's a lot of why I did this was because I do feel like it's something stay at home moms could do if they wanted to work, but still not be able to work full time because they want to be available with their kids, but still bring in income, use their degree in whatever that may be in and make an impact that way. You're making a huge impact by raising your kids. Don't get me wrong. That's right. That's amazing. That's, but that's kind of a given. So if you're wanting to do something beyond that, but yet you're at home with little ones or teenagers and you can't go out and volunteer for hours and hours a week, or you don't want to be away from home working at a job, then this is a good way to do that. Yes. And as I look to my future, when the children are grown and gone, Right. I think mm -hmm. of, oh, I definitely want to have something that's mine that I've developed. Right. And, right. I'd say you're in a good position to start developing that because whether you do it as a consultant and start that now and then stay that way after they're grown, or you could then switch to being a full-time grant writer or nonprofit director or something like that. If you mm -hmm. wanted, if you have that drive to get out of the house and be around people all day, you know, whichever you prefer, this would set you up for that path either way. Yeah. Oh, good. I love all of this. Oh, good. Thank you, Teresa. It's good. so helpful. I love your background and where I feel like where this could go for you could just be so amazing with the specialty of the equity advocate and the ESL. I think that can really make an impact and take you where you're wanting to go. Thank you. It's nice to hear that because when I did leave the wine industry, people thought I was out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> they look at you like, what are you thinking? <laughs> yes, what are you thinking? But yeah. now I'm able to come back to it right. and help right. in a more positive way. So, yeah. Yes, and it's interesting how our paths have a way of doing that. The things that seem so random at the time and that may not make sense to other people have a way of weaving back together and those threads come together and you're just like, wow, that's better than I could have imagined. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, it sounds like you have some solid action steps. You're going to think about kind of what direction you want to go with this and look at your network. I, I want to talk to more of my connections mm -hmm. um, and find more. And then I want to obviously learn more about grant writing so that I have more confidence as I move into reaching out to these people and places and saying, hey, let me help you with this once right. I find out their needs. Right. And then start writing and start finding the grants that are out there. Yes, definitely. I think that sounds great. And as you're researching before you approach one, do a little homework on them 
and see what are they working on right now and what might be a possibility for them as far as some either possible grants or ways they could enhance their current programs and come in with those ideas ready instead of coming in and saying, well, what do you need? You know, you kind of step in as the expert with some Mm -hmm. recommendations and approach it that way. I'm so excited for you. (laughs) Thank you. This is awesome. Well, let's stay in touch and let me know how this is going because I want to hear where you're headed with this and where it takes you. Definitely. Okay. All right. Thank thank you you so much. Thank you. This has been great. We'll talk soon. All right. If you're like Lisa and wondering whether grant writing might be the right fit for you, then book a strategy session today and let's get you some clarity so you can move forward. Go to TeresaHuff.com slash strategy. While you're there, you can also grab my grant writing course bundle and start learning on your own. If you love this show and you learn something new about being the type of grant writer the world needs so you can create a ripple in your community, please go leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts today. Thanks for listening. Now go change your world.